Hello, and welcome to this special episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. It's special because we're talking about the last season of The Clone Wars. And once again, Paul and I have shown that we have some, but not entirely too much restraint, because (laughs) frankly, these episodes are so good, we're not going to do them one at a time. We also want to get this uh, done with, so we are once again doing two episodes, episode 9 and 10. Did I do math wrong? No, that's correct. Yeah, 9 and 10 of, uh, of The Clone Wars uh, last season. So if you've only seen episode 9, please hit pause. Uh, watch episode 10 whenever you're ready. This episode will be waiting for you. But Paul and I have an awful lot to talk about, about some very busy episodes of The Clone Wars. Right after this commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. Paul Hoppy is joining me, the other host for this Clone Wars last season update. Um, yeah, so uh, do you think we can find something to talk about? I mean, there wasn't much that happened in these two episodes, right? Yeah, not, I mean, it was pretty much just <laughs> like they went somewhere, there was some fighting, and then um, and then they were still there at the end, so kind of no... Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to open with, like, I think the biggest compliment that I can give this show, and then these episodes in particular... Uh-huh. They made me want to watch the prequel trilogy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, I have never... Besides, like, since the first prequel, since The Phantom Menace came out, since I was in the theater sitting there thinking, what have they done? Um, yeah. <laughs> a- along with, like, wow, that's an awesome lightsaber battle. Um, right. Since that point in time, when I realized that my dreams of really loving a prequel tra- uh, trilogy had been shattered, I Uh have not wanted to watch the prequel trilogy this much, or really almost at all. But but it just really makes me want to be like, oh yeah, so what did happen? How does it, like, and like maybe, maybe... Like watch some and then pause it and then watch the part you know parts <laughs> of these episodes and then pause it and then go back and then back because um, um, you know plot wise kind of works out oh, that God, way. Yeah. Like I mean, okay, just a couple of moments there. Like you're right, I, and I I had the same moment after I finished the, the all the rest of the Clone Wars that when I first watched it through. Yeah. yeah. And I did rewatch the prequels, and you know Jar Jar is still terrible and Sand yeah. is still coarse, but. But a lot of it makes so much more sense because it just I felt like the dots between Anakin of Episode 2 and Anakin of Episode 3 had been connected so much better. Right, right. And now I want to go watch Obi-Wan and Anakin talking in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Now that I've seen the heartbreak on Obi-Wan's face as he's talking to Ahsoka knowing that he's losing Anakin. Like – he never says those words, but that scene was so powerful because it was. I was like, I know, oh, it was so good. Yeah. That scene being Obi-Wan talking to Ahsoka about um, basically the council assigning Anakin to spy on the Chancellor, which, I mean, that never really made any sense, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess yeah. they were super blinded to. Right. Well, they're super blinded, and I think it's Obi-Wan really starting to realize not only that the, the Chancellor has some real problems, but how far Anakin has fallen. Like, yes. to me, it also made me want to see, again, the moment where Obi-Wan admits to um, Luke how much he failed Anakin, because that's mm. what I'm starting to see in that scene, you know? Yeah. Especially when Ahsoka doesn't want to accept it. She's like, no, Anakin couldn't do that. And Obi-Wan doesn't even argue with her. He's just sad. 
Yeah. Um, oh, it was it was just so powerful on so so many levels. Um, yeah, I, I part of me wants to just kind of like fan blurt about like how good everything right. was, but I sort right. of could go in some kind of order. Yeah. Um, but let me just talk about the other. I think truly amazing thing. Um, I think in in the end of the second episode, the lightsaber battle between Ahsoka and Darth Maul. Yeah. Is hands down the best fight scene I've ever seen in animation. Um, and it's a close fight because I'm currently rewatching Avatar, which has some really good ones. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> I think, though, it's also in my top five lightsaber fights. Like, it was really, really well done. It really was. Um, also, I think the fact that this is, like, episode 10, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we watched 9, and there's a Jedi, and there's a, a former Sith. I guess a former Jedi and a former Sith. And, like, they don't quite, you know, get their lightsabers out yet. But, like, it's the 10th episode of, of the final season. And, fi- yeah. you know, we finally get our first lightsaber battle, you know. Yeah. Um, and they've even barely used lightsabers at all throughout. Like, Anakin a little bit, but, like, really not very much. And yeah. um, Ahsoka, basically not at all, right? Uh, well, mm-hmm. I guess in episode 9 she used it a little. But, um, and it, it it's sort of like... There it is, you know. It's yeah. like um you you knew what you were doing. You were building attention for this moment and then you right. gave us this phenomenal yeah. scene. Yeah, it did not disappoint. Um Yeah, and I mean that's a great lightsaber battle and it's really set up well and it's you know, it's so it's just between such an interesting pairing of characters, you know, like the right. former apprentice of of Sidious who was basically just like left to die or left you know forgotten and then the former apprentice of of anakin who left on her own not really because of anakin but you know right and then this revelation that anakin and sidious are connected um even if anakin doesn't really know it at the moment um but you know no nobody else knows it for sure um yeah i i let's get to that i think let's kind of instead of doing it by character let's kind of just yeah. go chronologically through these these two episodes because there's so much that happens so we start off with what seems like kind of a fairly generic um just battle scene on a generic planet and right. it's a little bit of i think part of what we're seeing here is that anakin is just to the point where he just has absolutely no more fucks to give yeah um, in a way that i thought was kind of cool but i rem- i admit a part of me was a little like wait really wait anakin or Anakin definitely the way he's just oh that scene yeah yeah no you're right you're right yeah where Anakin basically just walks up and pretends to surrender and all of that yeah yeah um and Obi-Wan is just like what the hell I mean it almost has that kind of like thrill seeking like I I don't fear danger anymore because I'm just over the edge yeah but a part of me was watching that going like wait why are we having this what about what about the Mandalorians what about Ahsoka yeah and so when they did tie it in I was like okay cool this is a great way to do it right um so yeah, so we get all that, uh, and then um, Ahsoka comes back. So what, what, what's um, and we get Ahsoka kind of coming back, and having this really kind of I thought interesting reaction and resolution, not resolution, but um, you know, reuniting with Anakin, mm-hmm. uh, where Anakin is now completely off the emotional deep end. Like he's you know, there's no restraint. He's very happy to see her, and she's very cold. Yeah. Um, but then they get that wonderful scene of him giving her back her lightsabers. And and the troops all painting their helmets to look like hers. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, what, what what's your take on, on kind of all what we get and all that? I feel like she's kind of trying to not let her emotions kind of like she doesn't want to come back to the Jedi. Yeah. Right. And so I think she kind of tries not to um, kind of uh, indulge that attachment, you know, that she obviously, you know, has. Yeah. Um, right. And it's that like particular you're having Anakin. you have you're having dinner with your ex and you're trying really hard not to just go like, oh, I miss this person. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and like, let's just be civil and let's do what we need to do. The paperwork, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the the clones, I think, are more like she can't. I th- I think she can't kind of like, um, fake it as much, sort of like with the clones, because like they're, it, it feels more. I don't know. It just feels different, you know, because yeah. they're different than Anakin, and and um, it feels so, like it's it's. I don't know exactly how I want to say it. Like it's not that it doesn't feel sincere coming from Anakin, right? Mm-hmm. But like it's sort of like for him it it seems like it's a little bit it's like oh well that's my student you know and friends but with them it's like there's this um like just it's very touching you know that it's like she kind of meant that much to them you know right and yeah uh, i I think there's like two different power things going on here you know on the one hand anakin was her master was her trainer you know and so i think on some level, she might have some feeling of resentment and like, you know, why didn't you fight harder for me? Why didn't mm-hmm, you leave mm-hmm. when I leave? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Whereas I think she looks at Rex and Cody and the clones as like, they're just as stuck as I was, you know, yeah. and they're they're more like they had nothing to do with what happened to me, but they're the people I left behind. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and so I think that's a real difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did like that. Um, I know we'd both been, especially you've been wondering about like why. Was she not using lightsabers that whole time? We both have been wondering about that. Yeah, I, um, I guess they weren't in her bag. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I kind of that. I mean, that scene made me tear up, honestly. Like when he gave yeah. her those back. You know, that was such a nice moment of like, oh, okay, we're 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 not bringing her back into the Jedi, but we're recognizing what she is and what she could be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that 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 scene of all of them having painted the helmets, um, yeah. I just thought was so incredibly powerful. Um. And then, then I, I like that she says like "good luck," you know. I think that's yeah. what she said, right? As opposed to like "may the force be with you." It's like she's like, "No, I'm gonna say good luck now." Like, oh, I hadn't even caught that. Yeah, didn't she? And and I, no, she, I think she like, does. Yeah, and I think I think they say something about how like Obi Wan yeah, like, wouldn't approve. Yeah, he's like he doesn't believe there's anything as good as, as luck or whatever. And she's like, "Yeah, well, good luck." <laughs> like, you know. yeah. Um, doesn't work out super well for Anakin, <laughs> but. No. You know, I mean, it's a nice thought. Well, and it's another one of those moments that made me want to go back and watch the prequels again because um, that moment where, you know, we, we'd sort of been wondering of if that moment where Anakin knows that she's on the, the freighter was kind of a moment of, of the last meeting for them. But right. I think we're, we're very clear now that um, the goodbye they have here is their last goodbye. Yes. Um, yeah. And that was just really affecting because of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I imagine we're not going to have Anakin on screen more. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But yeah. um, it seems like this is all going to this going to be the fallout of what is going on in the main, you know, in the in the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, like with with the clones and with Anakin, I feel like her response to coming back, um, like she has sort of feels a sense of responsibility towards the clones, um, and 
as opposed to like she feels like Anakin had a responsibility towards her I think and it, it's sort of like maybe a little bit like coming back and seeing like a kid you left behind as opposed to like a parent whose home you left yeah you know? exactly. I, th- I think that's exactly the kind of metaphor I was thinking of you know you got free and that's good but here's the one who's still stuck there right um and and then that that leads into like now it's like well what are they doing like yeah they're going off after darth maul right because some mandalorians have come and said hey would you come help us do this but meanwhile on mandalore other mandalorians are like yeah we're down with this guy and they're in power and so it's it's kind of like you know the republic is now like backing a civil war Oh, yeah, it's exactly what's happening. And I think Obi-Wan specifically says, like, we don't want to get involved in a civil war. Right. In in another war, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, they do, you know? And and that's, I guess, partially, you know, because Ahsoka came and was like, hey, let's come, you know, help me do this. But, you know, at at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's like Darth Maul's there. And, you know, it. you would think that, like, Kenobi would go, right? But, Mm -hmm. um... But he doesn't because there's other stuff going on throughout the galaxy. And right. I mean, to, to me, I kind of wonder, like, does Sidious know that Darth Maul's there doing this particular plan? And is he like, oh, I've got to step this other stuff into motion before he, like, pulls these other people off over there? Or, like, to what extent does he actually know what's going on? And to what extent did he kind of, like, luck box into not having... <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, like... I mean, then again, like, honestly, like, if Anakin did show up, there like i think there's a reasonable chance he would have just like killed darth maul and then ended up turning to the dark side eventually anyway yeah so um, it is it is a great it is like i think we've both talked about like enjoying those stories we're getting to see like what's happening at the same time as another story that we know yeah um and so like i i you know we both always wonder like where does this fit into the timeline Mm -hmm. and so that moment when they should when they say oh wait a minute we've got to go to coruscant general grievous is attacking yeah. I mean, I got chills. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Now I know exactly what we're doing. This right. is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I now so I know where we that. are. I know all this other stuff that's going on right now and that's connected to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sort of feeling of, like, seeing where the pieces fit in mm-hmm. the, the puzzle of story or whatever, um, I've always found just, like, a very satisfying feeling. Um, yeah. And sort of like a chills kind of feeling. Um Yeah. Like learning that Earth Dawn and, and Shadow Run were linked. Um, <laughs> I never got to have that. But super obscure re- reference, but uh. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. I was talking with um, uh, Jeff Randall, who's my host on the set of podcasts. Where we're talking about the Mandalorian, and he, I know him because he got started doing a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and and he and I have often talked about. I don't know him and his his podcast partner have often talked about how great it is to have a entire universe of things where, you know, like one, like, you know, in the Spider-Man movie, they're talking about cleaning up the, you know, the wreckage after the war, after the fight. And, you know, Oh, that's that fight we saw in the Avengers movie. Yeah. All these kind of things. And so, yeah. So seeing that kind of thing play out makes me so happy. Um, And it's part of, again, why, and I'm, I'm now less sure that we're actually getting it and I might be more confused, but it's why I'm still really holding out hope that we're going to have some connection between what's happening on Mandalore right now and the events on Mandalore that they talk about at the end of the show, The Mandalorian. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah, it seems likely because it's like you've got Imperial troops on Mandalore fighting 
with some Mandalorians against, it seems like a lot of other Mandalorians. Um, yeah. But then they could just as easily turn on um, the Mandalorians that they're there with, especially since they were led sort of by a, I mean, by, or they were accompanied by a former Jedi. So it, it, the, the whole thing, it's like, how does that, like, what happens on that planet when Order 66 goes into it? Like, does nothing yeah. happen because there's no actual Jedi there? Well, it's usually, you, like, you called it Imperial troops, and like oh, right now, yep. they are Republic troops for the next right. maybe four days. Five minutes, you know? right? Yeah, like, four days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're going to be Imperial troops real soon. Um, yeah, and exactly. I think that's actually like that's maybe the thing I'd most like to see. Like, yeah. how does that happen? You know, like you have all these troops that were literally bred for the purpose of creating this war. Like, by one person, but seeing that, I mean, I don't know, the the whole story of how the clone army comes to be is so weird. Yeah, you know? it's pretty badly told, unfortunately. Yeah, and and the fact that the Jedi are sort of just like, oh, okay, well, you know, I guess we got this clone army from all this, you know. Um, you know like, they know that, like, where it came from, and, and yeah. they're just like, yeah, we'll just let, keep, you know, nothing to see here, <laughs> move along, and... Um, you know, these are, these are not the Jedi killing clones you're looking for. Wait, why did I yeah. Jedi mind trick myself? <laughs> but yeah. like. I, I, it continues to be one of my only real frustrations with the season is that, as I've met, as we both talked about at the end of the last season of Clone Wars, like the Jedi figure it out. They know right. that the clones were entirely created to trap them. And mm -hmm. so why they're still using them as though nothing happened is really weird. Right. Um, it seems yeah, like you'd I at mean, least want some different procedures in place. Like. Just, I, I want to see what happens when a whole bunch of clone troops wearing Ahsoka's face paintings right. on their own helmets yeah. have to try and decide if they kill Ahsoka because now they're killing all the Jedi. Like, right. where is and it's that? Like, no, go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, like, and where, like, are they still them? You know, like, this whole, like, microchip in their head. I mean, we saw what happened to... Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Fives was there, but when when the the chip malfunctioned in oh, yeah. season five, mm -hmm. um, I think or was it beginning of season six? I think it's season five, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but when when that happens, and then oh, was it heavy? No, it wasn't heavy. Anyway, um, when that happens, he it seems like he's not himself. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the question is like, are they all going to just suddenly be like zombie clones who are no longer themselves or is, is it like more specific? Is it, you know, I, I don't know. I I'd like to see that play out more in a, like in the movie, it's just like it happens and then they shoot all these Jedi and then it's like, we don't really see the fallout from that in terms mm -hmm. of like the clones, right? Yeah. Like, what's it like to be a clone after that happens? Like, you know, is, is there this, like, gaslighting about what happened? Or, like, are they, yeah, is like, it just Yeah, like, what's the internal talk in the barracks? Like, right. is, it ju is it just, like, 100% a brainwash? Like, like, are they all Manchurian candidates? Is it, like, that, like, I mean, I don't know if we'll get this, but, like, I, I part of me would love to see, like, you know, maybe, maybe part of why the clones like don't really exist by the time it's all regular stormtroopers is yeah. like there's kind of an internal clone civil war for a little while that we just right. never hear about because it's like in the early years of the empire but like a whole bunch of clones are like 
What do you mean? They were our generals. They were our commanders. You can't just kill them. What the hell are you doing? Right. Like, oh, yeah, there's so many ways that direction can go, fight can go. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> top. So, it's Clone Trooper top, I think. Yeah. So yeah. so now we get to Mandalore, and as you said, there's kind of like it, – it's weird because I don't – um, I mean, crime lord bad, and I remember from the <laughs> – the, the, the but, but that's kind of what it feels like. It's like yeah, yeah. in the same way that we're like separatists bad, republic good, fight separatists, like – I don't – I remember there being internal uh, civil wars within Mandalore in the yeah. original show yeah. and that there was a pretty clear like good guys and bad guys. But yeah. the Republic – but if I recall, it wasn't quite clear enough that the Republic had a reason to intervene. Um, right. And, and they I'm, didn't, right? Or yeah, they, they did, but they didn't? Like, they, they, I mean they – Obi-Wan did. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Obi-Wan and that's kind, kind of, of – yeah. Went off on his own a bit um, yeah. as well as got temp- – I mean to me one of my favorite parts of the whole Clone Wars is that um, – Obi-Wan, I think, and I think this is part of why he's more forgiving of Anakin and Padme, is because he was romantically tempted by uh, Sabine, I think her name was. And she's the sister of Bo, the person they're, they're, they're working with now. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I, didn't, I, I never quite got what the, the reason why we're all fighting there was, except, again, you know, crime lord bad. Um, but it, at some level it didn't matter because it was just so the, – the fight scenes were so good and, like, like when I, I I don't remember his name, but like the people who were who were like leading the Mandalorians on behalf of Darth Maul, I wound up having right. a lot of sympathy for them because yeah. they felt kind of like trapped. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think basically, like you had, like you had issues on Mandalore before, right? I mean, I I kind of wish that I'd rewatched all of the Mandalore episodes before yeah. watching these. Um, and I think there's a lot of ways you can watch the Clone Wars where you watch specific episodes that then take you to other episodes and you follow, like, a thread, you know? Um, I mean, I like the way the series jumps all over the place, but at some points, you know, if you're not watching just the entire series straight through, um, it can be hard to kind of keep track of, especially, you know, coming back years later. Um, right. It, uh, somebody should do like a rewatch and then like a podcast on that. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we are um, doing it on another part of the, but we're in season two, so it's gonna be a while before we get to the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. I was I was trying to plug you know set you no, up. No, I was I lo- you, yeah. lobbing a softball, <laughs> but maybe it just like fell out of my hand. Um, no, no, I just took a swing at it. But yeah, okay. Go ahead. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it seems like like there was. I don't know if it was a civil war exactly, but like the death watch or whatever was ousted. Right. And yeah. And then so. they were, they were a pacifist planet or, and I'm, I'm also not clear whether Mandalore is a planet or is it a system of planets? Um, well, and again, here it's where it, it, I feel like I'm reading like chapter two. I, I feel like right now I read chapter two. I'm currently reading chapter 10, but mm-hmm. a week ago I read chapter 18. Because right, like, right, right. I also no, I, know I, like no. where the Mandalorians wind up yeah. in twenty more years. Yeah, uh, yeah. At, in the TV show The Mandalorian, and so it's just yeah. so interesting trying to like connect the dots and be like, where right. the hell does this all fit? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, you know, it's not flawlessly executed for sure. I mean, I loved these episodes. I really love the Mandalorian show, um, but there definitely are some things where it's like, wait, this isn't the way. Right? right, but like, like, why does she keep taking her helmet off? But <laughs> like, maybe that's not the way yet. Maybe there are ways that they're gonna show that how you get from point A to point B, but you know, or point M to point Z or whatever. Right. Um, 
but the the thing I like I do want to acknowledge how enormous of a task it must be to coordinate basically across you know I mean first of all you've got just it's like a, you know a story about a galaxy as opposed right. to like a town or whatever or or a planet even um but you know, it's also, not only is it across so many different time periods that have not gone sequentially, but it's also so many different authors, so many different creators, that in order to try to get everything to really interlock in a satisfying, um, sensible way, I think is, like, it's just probably not gonna totally happen, right? Yeah. Like, no matter how well you do it. I, um, I mean, we talk about Kevin Feige as being, like, the god of this, and I think he did right. an amazing job in the MCU, Yeah. and yet... I've had numerous episodes with you in the early days of this right. podcast where we talked about all the ways in which the MCU didn't do it perfectly. Exactly. Um, exactly. Like, if that's that's kind of, like, the best and it's not perfect. Yeah. Right? In terms of execution of something like that. But also, that was more linear uh, over, a, you know, a shorter period of time. Like, this is since the 70s. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, you're it, trying to link something from the 70s to the 2020s and it's like, oh, Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's almost 50 years of, of storytelling and it's over... I mean, from the, um, you know, beginning of Phantom Menace to the end of um, Rise of Skywalker, I mean, yeah, that's a period of, like, six – well, you think about it, like, Luke is probably, like, 60 years old, and yeah. the movies start 20 – yeah, so it's a, a, it's a story over about 100 years almost, 80 years most, you know. Um, so, oh, yeah, because yeah. there's a fair amount of time between Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. basically from when Anakin's a kid until Luke's yeah until an his old man, until his basically. children are quite old. Right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, Leia. Um, right. So yeah, it, it, it and but I will say like like um on the episode of the Clone Wars that we just talked about that'll be going up pretty soon. Um, our our end of the I'm sorry, <laughs> I keep getting these words confused. Mandalorian. When I was talking with Jeff Randall on the Mandalorian cast, yeah, um, one thing we talked about is that um. I think I think one of the biggest problems that the the sequel movies had was that it didn't have a Kevin Feige type person helping to tie it all together, and that's why right. kind of having like J.J. Abrams being like, "This is the universe," and Ryan Johnson going, "No, it's this," and the yeah. Abrams going, "No, it's this," and yeah, um, it doesn't. It like it works with the Alien movies because yeah. there's no overarching plot with it. Like I think with the Alien movies, they did a great job of being like, "Okay, Ridley Scott can direct one, James Cameron can direct another." I think David Fincher can, you know, and right. then. Um, that French guy who did Delicatessen. Um, and <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, yeah. It, it worked there, but you need it with something like Star Wars. And yeah. now Dave Filoni, is, as Jeff pointed out, is both very involved in both Clone Wars and Mandalorian, um, which told mm. me something pretty different. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, by the way, did you notice that the opening credits for this were remarkably different? I did. I yeah. did notice that. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> and it that made... the outro music, actually, too. But Oh, um... I hadn't even caught that. Uh, it did make me think, though, that there were um, now um, – that these four were like the totally new content. Yeah. Um. I think that's because yeah. Uh. It seems like this is all being added. Um. And like, I liked the last eight episodes, but it just has been all building to this, and it's so good. Um. Th- yeah. This feels like something different than yeah. the the first eight episodes, which which I I really enjoyed a lot. Um. In a very different way, like this. Th- they felt more specifically about character and sort of local things. And these feel like now we're interacting with kind of the grand, you know, yeah. 
plot we're, we're ba- the, the opera this is more opera yeah I guess. <laughs> we spent some time down in the, in the trenches and i'm glad we did but now we're back here yeah. um and it's you know again things not being perfect um the timeline is kind of confused because the the scene between anakin and ahsoka and obi-wan makes you think like it's been a long time you know um months or years um but i think if we go just by the storyline of episode five through episode 10 it's been about a week <laughs> since you left right you know um <laughs> but even putting that aside so yeah what what's your take on kind of ahsoka's overall journey so far in, in these two episodes that we've seen um hmm in these two episodes or like, just in, I, in the six episodes we've seen yeah so so it seems like you know so those first four episodes with her, um, episodes five through eight, felt like it was her sort of trying to decide who she wanted to be after leaving the Jedi, thinking that she was going to leave behind, you know, the the big war and all of that noise, basically. That seems like it didn't really affect people day to day. And then these two episodes feel a little bit like maybe she's realizing... That's, well, so first of all, she gets involved in this specific thing, which seems like, okay, I'll do this thing because, like, you know, I have certain skills and um, I want to help these people and and it seems like a good thing to do, right? And whether it involves a Jedi or not, whatever, not not a big thing. Um, And, you know, I think then she gets a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, like kind of like, you know... She sees Anakin and Obi-Wan. She's like, okay, hi, guys. You know, and then she sees the clones, and she's she's really touched by their gesture. And then Anakin gives her her lightsabers. Um, and I think, you know, maybe there's some... Like, she doesn't really have, like, a foil too much to talk to the same way um, she does in the other episodes a little bit. Um, but... You know, I, I'd say maybe there's some doubt about what she wants to do next, like after this particular mission. But yeah. then the mission throws such a, a wrench, you know, such a curveball that, um, you know, it's like she's a little bit like, no, that's not true. That's impossible. You know, like, yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a really, really, really good way of putting it. But, but like, you know, she's going to find that i mean whatever happens is what's going to happen and it's like it's almost like her personal arc is thrown into like i don't know it's one of those things where there's um there's like an emergency and then it's like whatever personal stuff you have going on all of a sudden temporarily yeah sort of becomes secondary right it's like well i'm going to have to back burner the question of like what do i want to be doing in the world and like focus directly on like what am I going to do about this right now? Because right. it's going on and it's not like I can come to it or go away from it. Like whenever I want, it's like, it's an, an emerging, you know, an, an urgent situation. Um, like I, I, I thought there was something really powerful about the fact that just for a moment, she's like maybe kind of agreeing with Maul and maybe saying right. like, okay, we can work together. Um, yeah. You know, I think I, she was actually just like trying to pump him for information, but okay, that that's entirely possible. I, I kind of thought that at first too. Then I'm like, oh, actually, I think she's just like, hey, tell me about Skywalker, and maybe yeah. I'll, you know, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> well, and and I think that gets us to I, I so most of the time I have not liked the fact that Maul is still hanging around. Like to mm-hmm. me, I 
Mm. Especially because I thought Darth Maul was, frankly, one of the best parts of The Phantom Menace. Yes. In part because he almost never spoke. He was right. so imposing. He was just this, like, yeah. force of nature. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of there being a Jedi who was cast aside who's all, like, you know, I'm going to – I'm doing this gesture. You can't see it. But, you know, like, kind of I'm, I'm like, you know – putting my fingertips against each other and like I'm dark in contemplation. Hmm, what shall I do with you? Right. That doesn't feel like Darth Maul at all to me. Um yeah. and I never liked it here. I didn't like him appearing at the end of Solo, which you know, otherwise that was a fine movie. I have no other complaints about that. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> top 15 in the 10 movies. Watching George Lucas watch paint dry. Um but um here it worked so well because again, I don't love this as Darth Maul from Phantom Menace. But I love the idea of the, you know, part of the rule of Sith means you're constantly throwing someone aside. Right. And I love the idea of him sort of like, he doesn't care about the universe. He doesn't have morality. But he just feels so betrayed and so played off that he wants to stop this plan. And also he has an insight into Darth Sidious that no other character we've ever talked to has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this felt like the first time that Darth Maul being around felt really consequential yeah um and i i agree that him talking is like less cool than him not talking just like (laughs) you know a mandalorian with their helmet on yeah is (laughs) cooler than a mandalorian without their helmet on uh but like it it um yeah it, it, it i i agree with you in terms of him showing up in other spots like i feel like earlier in the series they brought him back partially, like, as an excuse to, like, have more lightsaber battles with, yeah. like, blue lightsabers against red lightsabers. I think that's true. Right? Um, but, yeah, like, the way the Sith work, you know, it's like you've got Sidious and he's got Maul and then Maul is apparently killed. And then then he's like, okay, uh, you're next. Right. And <laughs> you've got Dooku. And then Dooku's like, hey, Ventress, I'm going to train you. And Sidious is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't get to have one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> either she can kill you, or you can kill her, or I can kill you, or I can kill her. Those are the only options, because nobody's killing me. Right. Like, let's face it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not okay. Um, right. And then, you know, and then he gets, and then Anakin ends up killing Dooku, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, like, a major step towards him becoming the Sith Apprentice. Um which going back again, Obi Wan, like he never says any of that, but like yeah. you can just see like the fear and regret in his face when he says, mm-hmm. "Yeah, like Anakin killed Dooku," because mm-hmm. um, I think that's when he's starting to put it together, but he's not even willing to admit it to himself. Right, right. He's just he has like a feeling. Yeah, it's like an unsettled. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's it's such an interesting journey, and I, you know, we talked before, or I certainly talked before about how I really wanted when we got Ahsoka back, I wanted you know the Ahsoka Ventress buddy cop show. Right. Um, you know, or not cop, but you know, like the two vigilantes on the run. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and we, we're not getting that. I think that's pretty clear. And it's not quite the same, but I like that Maul is a little bit playing that similar role for Ahsoka in that he's kind mm. of like, a, as much as she's recognizing that she doesn't want to go to the dark side with Maul, I, I do feel like his comment about how, like, you were thrown aside by the Jedi just as much as I was thrown aside by the Sith. And we are both kind of lost. I think that does hit her. And I feel like that, you know, we have to see what happens in the next two episodes. But to me, that moment is a big part of her, like, 
closing that door that you know like you, i was yeah. saying like you went back to the ex and you're sort of like oh yeah but like they they were so good to me in some ways and now darth is helping her be like yeah no that that that's not a, i don't want to be a jedi again yeah for sure um it you know it it basically just makes her confront everything and and it frames things in a certain way and I don't know. I, I feel like this episode raised those questions and she made some decisions, right? Like, right. well, I'm not going to work with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but at the same time, like, I feel like those qu- questions can only be answered as things progress further. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, and it, it, it's, I think that was needed because, I mean, like all prequels, the the problem with that fight was, I know that both those characters live. I know that Darth Maul shows oh. up twenty years later in Solo, and I know that Ahsoka shows up, you know, in further seasons. And so I felt like, and on the one hand, that that always just kind of sucks, and I wish that hadn't been the case. But I felt like by making it much more about where is Ahsoka going to go and where is Maul going to go, they added that tension to the fight. Um, you know, because frankly, like. If you told me that such a good lights a fight that would become one of my favorite lightsaber battles of all of Star Wars is one where I am one hundred percent positive that both of them live, I'd look at you like you're crazy. Right. And yet, I watched that fight five times last yeah. night. Like, well, so so this is actually one of my big biggest peeves with like media in general, and by right. which I mean like you know TV, film, um, that there's this. And this is especially true with blockbuster stuff, but like these types of shows as well. That there's this obsession with stakes and Mm -hmm. this idea that like mortality almost like has to be like the ultimate stake. Mm -hmm. Um, And that if if you have a fight like this where the audience, you know, probably not all the audience, right? Not everybody follows all the news. Not everybody is seen solo. Right. um, Although it is such a wonderful film. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Delete. You know, <laughs> that if, um, you know, that if the audience knows that both characters will survive a fight, then they won't have any um, emotional investment in it, right? And right. it won't really play. And I've just always felt like that's kind of false. And I think this um, is just a brilliant way of demonstrating that it's like, yeah, those are stakes that you can have. Right. The world right. hanging in the balance is another one. Right. Like, does every major movie have to be about the world coming to an end, potentially? And our heroes saving the world? Like, sometimes it can be about saving one person or sometimes it can even just be about, you know, saving some idea they have about who they are or overcoming that idea they have about who they are and becoming who they will be. Um, We've said it's why just, we like the Ant-Man movies so much is yeah. that their stakes are so much smaller than anything right. happening in the MCU. Yeah, and there is a little bit of like, well, if this technology really gets into the wrong hands, it'll be horrible and a lot of bad stuff will happen. But there's no like, here's the clock. If it gets to zero before we do this other thing, everyone's going to die. Yeah. You know? And and so I think this fight did a brilliant job of setting up stakes that were not the life or death stakes of the characters involved. Right. Especially because you know, like, there is nothing that's going to happen in this fight that will change whether or not Darth Sidious causes right. Anakin to switch. Like, all the stuff right. about, like, Ahsoka trying to learn whether or not, like, we know that's not going to happen. And so it's just yeah. about really, like, what happens to Darth Maul and what happens to Ahsoka. And 
the fact that they did it in a way that made me sympathetic to Maul was just like, th- this is really good storytelling. Because, like, yeah. that scene where he's like, just let me die or whatever it was he says, I, mm-hmm. I felt for him, you know? And I was like, Jesus. Right. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I don't want to get captured by these Jedi and then be like, I mean, it's like, where's that going to go? You yeah. know? Like, if he gets captured by the Republic and then the Republic becomes the Empire and then now, like, you know, I mean, he was basically trying to stop his his old boss from becoming the new big boss, which he's going to. And yeah, so he, yeah. he I, I guess he didn't foresee this outcome, but if he did, it like didn't look good to him. Yeah. And, and it does make me so interesting about Ahsoka and it's, um, I don't know if we ever have a story where we get this because it's kind of like, I know that we do get Ahsoka in star Wars rebels, which as I understand it comes pretty soon after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a ki- that as I've been told, that's even more of a kids show than the Clone Wars. So we don't find yeah, out. It, fe- it felt that way to me. I mean, I only watched okay. the first. Well, because there's a the scene that I want to see, and maybe we'll get it. Like she will tell it in in the Mandalorian as a flashback. Yeah. But I want to see the moment where Ahsoka is seeing maybe just like on news vids or whatever, or maybe in person, but like is recognizing that Darth Vader exists and Darth Vader is doing these horrible things. And right. she has to realize it's Anakin. Yeah. Um, I want to see that happen. And may- maybe we'll even see it now. I mean, you know, it's entirely possible this series, uh, the last two episodes happen chronologically, like at the time when he's already killed all the younglings and she gets to know about that. Um, right. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that'll happen here or somewhere else, but I feel like I'd you never really even given – Yeah. I'd never even get yeah. much thought before. But like the scene where like like obi-wan uh, and especially maul is telling her what's gonna happen to anakin and she just doesn't want to believe it like that yeah. oh so good yeah i feel like we're seeing the front half of that you know yeah um and I, w- I would like to see the back end of it where it's like yeah now anakin is um vader and it's like you know she has to deal with that emotionally yeah. um and probably not in person because you know she doesn't want to get killed like all the other Jedi, <laughs> right? Um, you know there are there are questions. The the thing is when you have characters like this going around, it's like, you know, where was she during the rebellion? Like, yeah, like what happened? You know, like, and you know, and then how old is she in the Mandalor? The Mandalorian's right after Jedi, right? Or like a few years after Jedi, Return of the Jedi, right? So I think it's that's about like. 25 30 years so 30. yeah by that point she'll yeah, probably like be like years but... in her 40s or so right yeah well, which makes sense i mean and, and again I, I, I forget what um race she what what species she is i know she's not um twi'lek but she's something else that has like the the the, the ear horn things like twi'leks do but i don't you know we don't know how how much they age you know it's 40 years for her that might be she's just about to die it might be she's in her adolescence you know we have no right idea. like the child is 50 Right. At that point, right? <laughs> so, like, they're they're similar age, actually. She's a little bit younger. Yeah. Maybe, we think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do I mean, they ever actually say her age, like, as a number? Looking it up, all of the dating is done by um, the Battle of Yawin as kind of, like, the AD, right. BC moment. Um, so, she was born 36 years before the Battle of Yawin, and the uh, Clone Wars starts 22 years before the Battle of Yawin and goes to 19 years before the Battle of Yawin. So she is 14 when the Clone Wars start, and she is 17 uh, now when the Clone Wars are okay. ending. Um, that feels about right. Yeah, which, which which does make sense. And it's, you know, I think, I feel like 
throughout the Clone Wars, like there are times when they play her more like she's 10 or 12. And then right now there are times when they play her more like she's 20 or 22. But, but frankly, like I have met 14 year olds who act like they're 10 and I've met 17 year olds who act like they're 25. So like that, that does make sense. Um, Yeah, for sure. And I feel like three years being a general in a galactic war, you know, that ages a person a bit. Yeah, Um, right. (laughs) And like sometimes it's the same person who seems way younger than their age and then way older than their age. Exactly. Yeah. Depending on different circumstances. Um, Yeah. Cool. Well, so any other uh, kind of big things from this we wanted to talk about? Um, I feel like there's so much nothing. we haven't even scratched the surface on, but also I want to make yeah. this go too long. Right. Yeah, I want to go watch the, the last two episodes, so <laughs> let's wrap this up. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely like to see the, you know, my name's Ahsoka Tano. I used to be a Jedi. Oh, oh my God, yes. <laughs> and, and then Ventress being like, shall we shoot them? Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> For, for anyone who doesn't understand it, this is a reference to Burn Notice, which is I, – I still think it's one of my favorite shows. I know you, you hold it in very, very hard regard yeah. as well. Um, and um, we actually have done an episode on it uh, that will come out on St- Superhero Ethics Podcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, that would be so good, actually. It's such a great parallel. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but um, I, I do think that in the in the the context of this episode and wrapping up this season of The Clone Wars, I think – pairing ahsoka with maul was actually a better choice yeah um just because maul was sidious's apprentice and she was you know anakin's padawan yeah and so that there's this parallel there that uh plays better i think i i really think so and it it also opens up just so many story possibilities i mean one of the things um and here again like this is 100% headcanon i don't know if we're ever gonna get in the stories so, you know, one of the things that's established is in the rule of two, if you are the apprentice, you're supposed to always be looking for your own apprentice so that you mm-hmm. can be ready to take over from the master. Right. Um, and like, uh, you know, Sidious recruits Darth Maul while Sidious is still only the apprentice. And, and Plagius, in, mm. in, in, at least in the books, encourages him to do that because you're supposed to be doing it in the same oh, okay. way that Sidious encourages um, Dooku to recruit Ventress. But there's right. also a like, don't get too good with that. Um, right, right. It's like once they get too strong, it's like either they're supposed to kill you or you're supposed to kill them. Right. Like, and and by that same rule of two, that that's why at first the Emperor wants Vader to recruit Skywalker. Uh, or no, he wants him to right. kill Skywalker and then Vader wants to recruit Skywalker. Right. Wouldn't it have made He's sense like, no, we can turn him. if 10 years ago, before he has any idea that Luke Skywalker exists, if Darth mm. Vader was thinking about who to recruit as yes. his... Wouldn't he try to find Ahsoka Tano again? Yes. Yes. That... That would be it. I would I would watch that. <laughs> like that, <laughs> oh, that like yeah. If you just had you know the burn notice of Ahsoka and Ventress having their adventures, but every now and then Darth Vader is trying to like like find you know on her trail. Right, um, right, right. The other th- oh, I love it. The other thing I, I was thinking that I would love to see, and again, it wouldn't be a this wouldn't be a series. This would just be a scene. Um, and given everything that's happened, I don't think you can retcon it in now because I don't think it would make any sense. But I would love to see Ahsoka Tano sit down with Luke Skywalker to tell him about her father. Just sit down mm. really with Luke and Leia, his fa- you know? Yeah, about um, his father. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even, okay. in Return of the Jedi, that could have helped make so much sense. Or even just yes. like in the intervening periods. Um, yeah. Because now, doesn't it mean, like, why wouldn't they have ever met up? Um, right. I mean, well, I guess we don't know what happens in The Mandalorian. Like, we don't know. Um, whether Ahsoka's around in the, but you know, in the post empire years, right. It's like, right. didn't that happen to, I mean, th- there's so much about the whole, like, uh, 
um, <laughs> whatever happens between Return of the Jedi and A Force Awakens. Yeah. That, like, I feel like you need a show like The Clone Wars to make that make any sense to me. Yeah. You know? I, um, and maybe they'll make one. You know what? They'll probably make one. I mean, are you talking about the, the time between uh, the end of movie three and the beginning of movie four or the end of movie six and the beginning of movie seven? Six and seven. Okay. Because I'm... Because I, I'm, this I'm, is between... Th- well, between two and three, I guess. Right. I am, yeah, the other thing, too. I am frankly hoping that that's what The Mandalorian turns into. You know, I mean, right. With, I mean, that is what it is to begin with, right? right? Like that's where it's set, but it's like, how broad will it go? Right, and because like right now, and I, I've I've said this a couple times on that part of the podcast, like it's I, I like this, like we talked with with this show. I like that it's right now small stakes and small, but yeah. I would really love it if we start to hear the rumblings that become the first order in that show. You know, right? I think that yeah. would be so good. Um, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. More than anything, it just reminds me of why, like, I just hate the whole concept of prequels. And I get mm. that, like, 50 years ago, no one ever thought you could have any such thing as an extended universe. So I understand why the storytelling was done this way. But it, it now gives me such an appreciation for, like, imagine if George Lucas had sat down and said, I know that I'm going to be able to make every movie and every TV show I want to. And right. so yeah, I'm right. already thinking about Ahsoka Tano as I'm writing Return of the Jedi, you know, and like I'm... Because the problem I always have with any prequel is you invent a really great character who was never mentioned in the later movies or TV shows, and it's wonderful, but then you're left with, why weren't they ever mentioned, you know? Right, right. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like I'm on the verge of going on a diatribe about George R. R. Martin, but I'm like, (laughs) um, I'll try not to. A positive or negative? Um. Neither, just okay. sort of uh, observational, yeah. kind of, you know, there's someone who had an idea of a story he wanted to tell, and he started telling it, and it kept growing, right? Yeah. And he's got this idea that it's a story that he wants to tell in X number of novels, right? Right. And I think originally, was it five, and then now it's going to be seven? And like, like, basically, he had to change this and that because it just kept growing, and I think one, I think the, the structure of the novel has probably really sort of pinned him in. And that, that's probably part of why it's taken him, um, you know, a, a light year to, to, yeah. <laughs> to, to write, you know, I mean, it's, that, that's why it takes so long, um, between one and another, right? Yeah. Um, I think a light year is a measure of distance, so yeah, that yeah. didn't make any sense. But <laughs> it's like you know. it's like a par- it's like it's like a part. Whatever. This isn't science fiction. It's space <laughs> opera. Exactly. We're exactly. gonna be loose with our metaphors. Uh, but you know, meanwhile, George Lucas, I think early on, had an idea of how he wanted to tell a story, and he wanted to do a three movie trilogy, and he managed to do that, and then he wanted to have a three movie prequel and a three movie postquel. Right. Yeah. Um, which I know is just a sequel, but uh, sequel trilogy. Um, and I think he wasn't thinking about all the possibilities of a like a multimedia universe, right? Which is what Star Wars became even before the prequel trilogy came out. Right. There was tons of stuff that was generally regarded as canon at the time, like at least until later. Um, and I think the idea that you can create a universe through, you know, 
through many different forms of media and have them all connected and that not everyone has to be like not every entry into a world has to be like the main thing yeah right like you can do a book of short stories and i think actually maybe george r R. martin did that right but um but like that you can you know be like yeah we'll split this off this way this off this way you know we'll tell this story over here this story over here and we'll just keep communicating in order to or if it's one creator you know to make sure that everything lines up and the larger it grows the harder that process is going to be but i think the more that's conceived of early on and i think that's happening a little bit more than it used to um but i i think often it's more like oh well they start making graphic novels about buffy or avatar the last airbender because like this series was done right yeah. either it got canceled or they're like well we told our main story and now we're going to tell some other side stories in this other medium um and i think the more that people embrace that as a way of making a really broad universe really creating a world and letting people get deep into it and kind of answering all the different little questions mm-hmm. um i think the more satisfying these universes will be yeah and, and i will give a plug for um babylon 5 is the tv show that i know of that has done that the best and it, it happened because the author sat down before a single you know moment was put on film and wrote out the plot of the entire five-season arc he wanted to tell, including all of the minor characters and all of where they would go. And, wow. and he actually did it to an extent where he had a way where, like, he had what he called a backup plan for everything. So that when, yeah. like, a particular actor or actress didn't want to oh. be on the show, he wow. had, like, a way to write them out and a way to write someone else in to do what he they were supposed so for... to do. And wow. it's, it's, it's amazing because he's one of the best world builders I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. The dialogue is crap. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I mean, and, and I feel like that's sort of Lucas too, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's very much Lucas. Does, it's, yeah. It, he's amazing at world building. He needs someone else to help tell his story. And yeah, part of the problem with Babylon five is they thought it was going to get canceled after four seasons. So a uh, whole bunch, but even then he was able to yeah. tell his whole story in four seasons and then have a whole bunch of st- stuff left on the table to tell in season five. When they right, got a season five right. again. Um, and it's it's choppy because of that. But he really tried mm-hmm. something truly incredible. And I feel like we're getting more of that in ways I really appreciate. Um, you know, because to me, like, I've always thought you could have the perfect science fiction show if you combined Babylon 5 and Battlestar Galactica. Because mm-hmm. Babylon 5 is cheesy dialogue and bad directing. Some of it's very, very good, but especially early on. But entirely plotted out. When Battlestar Galactica, they start the show answering, a, asking a question, and the writers have admitted they had no idea what the answer was, <laughs> which to wow, me is yeah. just so yeah, bad. It's not, like, it's not usually a good way to go. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing though is that like once you start having characters played by actors, right? Once you start actually writing out all of the dialogue and all of the interpersonal scenes, I think, um, you know that that might be one reason that the dialogue was so whatever it was yeah. I, I haven't really watched it but that you know if you're writing dialogue to um basically to service the plot to service your story i i think it's it's harder right yeah. to make it natural and 
And so sometimes, like, your characters don't want to do what you thought they wanted right. to do. Like, they change their minds. And, like, now it's like you have to deal with that. Or sometimes two actors have an incredible chemistry that you never thought of. And now you're like, right. what if we actually have these characters go in this whole other direction because of yeah. that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Arrow show. Like, the Felicity character showed up. And, like, that was supposed to be a minor character. And they're like, wait. Wait, we need, we need more of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's change the show. Yeah, and that's the thing is there has to be that kind of a balance. And it does make me feel like animation makes that much easier because like – Absolutely. You know, I, I'm sure people who are very dedicated, um, you know, voice people can, can hear the difference better than I can. But a lot of these characters have been voiced by numerous people over the years of the Clone Wars, you know? Yeah. I mean even yeah. like um, – uh, this is not a spoiler because it's a spoiler about an actor, but it's a sad moment. You know, the, the TV yeah. show Avatar The Last Airbender, which yeah. you helped turn me on to, is an amazing bit of um, animation and storytelling. I mean, I think one of the absolute best. Um, and I think widely understood as, like, the mo- the character who everybody wants to have as their, like, mentor figure, Uncle Iroh. Right. Um, yeah. An amazing, amazing character played by two different actors over the course of the show because one of them passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it, I, I remember someone told me that and it was like, oh, OK, so this character's not going to be anywhere near as effective because it's going to change. And then I watched it. And I literally forgot that happened because just, yeah, it sounds right. different, but right. it's the same character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, I'd say that I I feel the difference, you know, but like, but the first time I saw the series, I didn't know that. And I don't think I noticed the first time I saw the series. Um, and it it's. Like, in live action, I mean, the Dumbledore, right, in the yeah. Harry Potter movies, di- the actor died, right. and they replaced him. Um, and I guess when you have so much beard and hair and hat <laughs> and robe, yeah. like, you know, it's like, um, I mean, I think there's something about, an, you know, uh, like, a performer's physical appearance in a movie or TV show that makes it a little harder to kind of accept changes, although, like, they did it in the MCU twice, right? Yeah. So, like... Brody. Um, yeah. And um, Hulk... Oh yeah, um, but like most people barely know, consider in, the Edward... in animation it's smoother. Yeah, yeah, I know people barely consider the Incredible Hulk part of the MCU, even though it is part of the MCU yeah. and the origin of the. Uh, um, and it's too bad because I definitely actually Avengers I like that movie a lot more than others. Um, but anyway, yeah. we're now far far into right. tangent world. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah. I want to go watch the last few episodes. So um, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. All right. This has been great. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, Paul um fans what do you guys think what are your especially uh we will probably have a, an extra day before the next the next episode comes out uh um i'm i'm editing these as fast as i can my schedule's all over the place and i apologize for that uh i've had a, among other things my uh fiance has had surgery so there's been a lot of caretaking of her um and i will play that card as much as i can to justify the <laughs> weird schedule we've got but let us know we've only got two episodes left we're wrapping all this up i'd love to hear your theories we'll read them on at the beginning of the show uh get some thoughts out there let us know what you think um, so, um, you can find all, find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on, um, uh, email, all the information is in the show notes. Click any of those links. You'll reach us. Let us know what you think. Um, if you've seen those last two episodes already, please don't, um, don't post that on any of those public things. You can email us, um, on the email link and just put in spoilers for episodes 11 or episodes 12. And I will not read those until after I've seen them, but then I will read them and we'll read them as part of the um, discussion we're having today. So um, thank you so much. We'd love to have you participate. Paul, this has been great. Let's go watch those last episodes. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.